Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. My guest today, Zubaida Akbar, is an Afghan human rights activist now living in Washington, D.C. She is desperately trying to get vulnerable people out of Afghanistan, including a group of female journalists who are almost certainly marked for execution by the Taliban. Needless to say, this is a very heavy episode. We kick off discussing what she is hearing from her friends in Kabul as people desperately attempt to flee the Taliban's retribution. We then have a very deep conversation about the tragedy of it all. By and large, there is a dearth of Afghan voices in Western media right now, and I am very thankful to Zubaida Akbar for coming on the show to offer her perspective. I'll admit, I had a giant lump in my throat at the end of this conversation, but I think it's important that we in the media give voice to those who can bear witness to what is going on right now in Afghanistan. I suspect that many people who listen to this episode might want to be in touch after. You can always reach me using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. I'll read your email. I'll respond to your email. Feel free to reach out. And now here is my conversation with Zubaida Akbar. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I am just going to start by saying how um, everything that has happened so rapidly in Afghanistan has, um, has shattered our hopes and dreams that we had as long as three, four weeks ago. We never imagined things going down like this. I traveled to Kabul mid-July. Um, because I wanted um, to see the situation for myself. Um, And in my um, five days stay in Kabul, I saw many people trying to leave the country, but then I also saw many other people holding the fort and staying behind because they truly believed that things were going to work out and that Afghanistan would survive and stand um, and that there was good things for us in the future that these th- that these difficult days would pass. That is the kind of hope that Afghan- Afghans have had for, the, for Afghanistan during the past 20 years. The past 20 years were extremely difficult for Afghans. We lost our friends and loved ones every day, but we got up and we continued moving forward. And we continued to keep our hopes up and we continue to believe that, we, that better days were to come for us. Um, what's happening right now in Afghanistan is 
seeing all of those hopes and dreams shattered, people feeling abandoned, people feeling lost, uh, people having lost all hopes and trying to find their way for survival. In Kabul, people are trying to live um, by hundreds, by thousands each day. And these people were not even imagining their lives, their, 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 um, their, uh, imagining leaving their homes behind like even a month ago. Do you have friends or, or family in that circumstance whose story you might be able to share? Um, I have many friends um, who are in Kabul and who are the product of uh, these past 20 years. They were educated and raised during the past 20 years. Um, they were connected to the world. They know what's possible and they tried their very best. And now they are trying really hard to find their way to the other side of the airport gates and to get out, of, get out of Afghanistan so that they can survive, so that they can live. Because they know that um, living under the rule of the Taliban um, will not be possible for them. Um, first and foremost, their lives are at risk, that the Taliban will go after them and kill them. Um, and that even if they stay in Afghanistan and if they are they, they are um, safe in one way or the, or the other, they will not be able to live their lives the way they want because the Taliban are the, the Taliban regime is an oppressive re regime. We have had the experience of living under this regime 20 years ago and they continued to implement their um, oppressive laws on the people of Afghanistan where they had they had control. So are you saying that your friends, by virtue of the fact that they are more educated, a little more worldly, that kind of grew up in this mostly post-Taliban era over the last 20 years, went to university, got educated, that that makes them a target? The, certainly. It certainly makes them a target. Yeah, the Taliban are... Um, talking um, to the media and telling the world that they have uh, they have for, forgiven the people of Afghanistan and that they will not harm anyone and that then they are inviting people to stay behind. I think the fact that they 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 come out and say we have forgiven the people of Afghanistan speaks to how um, um, unaccountable they are. The people or the people of Afghanistan are the of Afghanistan are the ones who should choose if they forgive the Taliban or not. For the past twenty years, the Taliban have killed the people of Afghanistan. It hasn't been the other way, the other way around. They attacked our young generation in universities. They attacked our girls in schools. They attacked our unborn children. They attacked our media people. They attacked our human rights activists. They killed women in targeted attacks. And now they are. They think they are in a position where they have to forgive people. I think that speaks to how, how impossible it is to trust this group of people and to stay in Afghanistan and to believe that you're safe. So yes, every single Afghan who has contributed to the progress of Afghanistan in the past 20 years is at risk of losing their lives to an oppressive regime under the Taliban. Do you know anyone who in this sort of recent crush at the airport has actually been able to make it out of Afghanistan? 
I have a few friends who were able to um, get out of Afghanistan in the past few days. Uh, it was extremely difficult for them to, because a lot of things happened within the span of two, three days for them. They lost their country. They they felt unsafe and they had to rush to the airport, go through the crowds um, and go through an, an, an extremely mismanaged process to find to, to only save their lives at this point. A friend called me um, after being behind the airport doors for two days and inside the airport for a whole night um, as she was getting into the plane and she was crying. She said, this is not the way I wanted to leave Afghanistan behind. And how was it that she was able to get out as opposed to the thousands of others? I mean, at some point, this seems almost like random who is able to get out and who isn't. People who are able to get out, they stay behind the airport airport gates for days and they push through the crowd, risking their lives. Hmm. It's almost, yeah. This is how it happens. It's it's out of luck. If you if you manage to go through the crowds, if you are not not knocked over and walked over, and if someone lets you in, if you have the proper documents, and someone lets you from someone from the other side lets you in to the airport, you make it out. But that's very few, very few who have been able to do that. And where is your friend now? Um, I believe she is in um, Bahrain. Mm, at the U.S. air base, in a part of me, the naval base is in Bahrain. I, I presume. Yes, she is in some sort of a military facility. And do you have a sense of where she might go from there, or do you have a sense of where people who are currently at these overcrowding now U.S. military bases in the Middle East, where they might end up? The people that I know, including this friend, have been there for days now with um, very clear answers in terms of what's going to happen to them next. Uh, from my understanding, the U.S. Pr- prioritizing relocating people who are um, who had an SIV process um, that was moving forward or have green cards. Everyone else will need to wait for a certain amount amount of time until they have their paperwork sorted out. And this is happening in a situation where more more and more people are getting are are being brought to these different bases. Um, and um, the situation that I hear, from what I hear, the situation in some of these bases are very inhumane. It's overcrowded. It's hot. People don't have access to uh, basic facilities. And on the other side of the equation, do you have friends or have you heard stories of people who have tried to make it at the airport, but you know, given the danger and the uncertainty of that situation, have given up and are, are basically, you know, sheltering at home, have given up trying to flee? These days I'm in contact with a group of women, female journalists who um, traveled to Kabul from Balkh when Balkh province fell into the hands of the Taliban. They didn't expect Kabul to fall as quickly, so they they found refuge in a guest house. We have been supporting these women with their accommodation, but also with daily costs and filling out multiple visa forms and enrolling them in different schemes. Some of these women have received papers um, that they can come to the airport. At least one family among these women has been to the airport three times now with their four children, husband, and the female journalist that I know. 
And all four times they have been turned back because they didn't receive clear communication as to which gate they should go to, who will be able to help them get inside the airport from the other side, um, and um, what uh, what is the correct way to access access the airport. So this this basic information is not being not being provided even to people who who receive the correct paperwork to go to the airport. And these are, are female journalists, people who have been deliberately targeted by the Taliban for assassination over the last you know, 20 years. Exactly. Exactly. Their province fell into the hands of the Taliban before Kabul fell. Now their offices have been take, taken over by the Taliban. They have access to all of the information in relation to these women. They have their... Um, they, they have their personal information, information about their families. They have all the uh, um, HR files for these women. And in the past three, four days, the guest house they are staying in has been locked by the Taliban a few times because they're curious as to who, who is being taken care of in this guest house. So they're facing imminent danger. Not all of them have received responses from the different um, evacuation schemes we have applied them for. But the ones that they have received have failed to get into the airport, despite trying many times. And, you know, that horrible anecdote reminds me of, of something I heard from uh, a, a former diplomat who had worked in Afghanistan, uh, you know, that they're hearing rumors you know, that the Taliban, you know, as they um, take over offices, like you said, are creating these basic databases where they are marking people for execution. Yes, yes. Um, this information is going around. Um, I, in the past uh, week, I have been in touch with people from different parts of the country, mostly women, who are trying to find a way to leave um, leave the country because their lives are at risk. And the information that comes through these women is horrifying. We don't hear it on the news because some of these things are not happening in Kabul, but in remote parts of Afghanistan where the Taliban know the world is not watching, they are being exactly who they were 20 years ago. They are lashing women, they are killing women. Um, they, are, um, uh, they, are, look, they are going house to house looking for women. Um, activists, for women journalists, for govern, government workers, for NGO workers, um, as they are trying to identify these people, they are arresting some. I know a journalist who has been arrested for a week or more now, and we haven't heard about him. I have heard that they killed a woman in Jalalabad for leaving her house without a male company. I have heard from a school headmaster in the north that he was called and he told he could open the school um, only if girls were taught by female teachers and the girls would wear um, the full hijab, like the full coverage, their face, their entire body covered. And they could come and they could write their exams for this term and then they will let them know what happens in terms of, the, in terms of what's going, like the next steps for them. So all of this goes to say that the Taliban do not believe in girls' education, do not believe in human rights issues, do not believe in freedom of speech. They will go after the people who promote these values, who have worked for these values and who stand for these values, and they will kill them. What you say seems to speak against this 
almost emerging narrative uh, that the Taliban are are changed. This is a different Taliban. Now that they have the responsibility of running a government, they won't revert to those you know, bad old ways. But as you say, outside uh, the, the sort of spotlight of Kabul in other places, you know, they're the same old Taliban. Yes. And this is not a new narrative. This narrative started emerging when the U.S. decided to sign a peace deal with the Taliban. Um, With the support of the U.S. and the peace deal that they signed with the Taliban, the Taliban were legitimized. They were provided various media platforms to rebrand themselves and to um, strengthen this narrative that they have changed. While they were doing that, the Afghan people continued to say that they had zero trust towards the Taliban, that that they they were scared of the Taliban, and that the Taliban had not changed because even when they after they signed a peace agreement with the with the US, they continued to kill Afghans. They attacked a, a university in Kabul. They attacked a school in Kabul, and they they intensified their targeted killings, where they killed many journalists. So there were days um, that we woke up every day losing a member of our community who was a journalist, who was a human rights activist who was um, a lawyer, who was an attorney. This continued to happen for months after the the Taliban signed their peace deal with the US. I think the world stood with this narrative um, of the changed Taliban and with this narrative of the rebranded Taliban because it made it easier for them to to be unaccountable towards their people and towards the Afghan people and to walk away because they were just tired They just didn't want to fight anymore. And it was naive of them. And the Afghan people warned them. We continue to warn them. We asked the the US government to ensure that there is is space for the Afghan people, for the marginalized, for the families of the victims around negotiation tables. So the people of Afghanistan, despite having lost so much to the Taliban, despite their wounds being so fresh and having so much trauma and so much um, injustice, they were willing to talk to the Taliban. They were willing to negotiate with them so that our voices are heard. Despite despite the peace process being initiated by the US without zero consultation with the Afghan people, without uh, no inclusivity, we were ready to talk to the Taliban. We were ready um, to, to negotiate with them, but none of that happened. Because the Taliban, once the U.S. announced that they are they are going to withdraw and the dates for withdrawal was clear, we had zero rev- leverage to bring the Taliban to speak to us. They had all the power and we, we had nothing. And as a result of that, this is where we are right now. They, they wanted everything. They got everything. And they will lead Afghanistan, even if Afghanistan is a graveyard of the young, educated generation of Afghanistan. Uh, You've done a number of interviews in the media, and I know you you consume uh, American media. What is American media missing right now about what's going on in Afghanistan, based on what you're hearing from your friends and family? They are missing our side of the story. Um, And our side of the story is that this was not our war to begin with. It was not our lack of will to fight that that, um, brought us to this situation. Um, 
and it was not lack of uh, a lack of our resilience. This is not fair to the Afghans. I think what's missing is that what's missing that is that the biggest sacrifices were made by the Afghan people in the 20 years of war led by the United States in Afghanistan. We went and voted at the cost of our fingers being chopped off. We lost our friends in suicide attacks in the morning. We got up, we went back to work and we continued fighting so that we could continue their, 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 their path. I lost 10 friends in one day in one attack in Kabul, 10 journalist friends that I was talking to on a daily basis. The next day I woke up and I, I went back to work and I continued because I believed in Afghanistan and I believed that my resilience would fix this. So there was no lack of resilience and lack of will to fight. What happened was that we were left alone, that we were abandoned. We made the biggest sacrifices in a war that was not started by us in the first place. And now the world is walking away blaming us for it. And this is not fair. Going forward in the next days or, or even weeks, what will you be looking towards that will suggest to you, you know, how bad things could get, frankly? Um, I want to be able to see a future for Afghanistan, but it's extremely difficult right now. I am focusing all of my energy on helping evacuate as many people as possible. Because I think if there is a day that we can all go back to Afghanistan and work and change things, all of these people will need to be alive. And right now their lives are at stake. The current situation of Afghanistan and the people who are now put in power cannot grant safety for my friends, for my family, for the young generation of Afghanistan who was raised during the past 20 years. Now we are hearing horrifying accounts of um, uh, human rights violations by the Taliban from remote areas of Afghanistan. As soon as the Taliban get their um, um, recognition from the world, this will escalate. We will see these horrifying things happening to people in Kabul and bigger cities. There will be no turning back from that. So I am focusing on helping people leave right now because I don't see I don't see that the Taliban will stand by what they say. They have never stood by what they say, what, what they have said. Um, so I don't usually do this, but uh, I'm just really profoundly moved by everything that you've you've said. And I want to ask you, you know, what we, what listeners of, of the show who are also so moved, as I presume they would be like, what can we do to help, to help you? There are many ways that Afghans can be helped right now. But to, these days, when I talk to anyone in Afghanistan or any Afghan in any part of the world, the biggest feeling they're going through is abandonment. They think they have been left behind and that they have zero power in telling their story the way it has to be told. I, I hope, I hope that so many Afghans live, Afghan lives lost and American lives lost and people, other people, just people who came with good intentions in Afghanistan to help build the country and lost their lives. 
all of these sacrifices are a lesson to us that our politicians will start these wars in different countries in the name of bringing democracy, in the name of fighting extremism. But what we see end up happening is extremism getting empowered, insecurity getting increased, and people losing their lives. And this is not good for any of, any, any of us. Politicians are politicians, but we are all people. There are so many families who have in, in the United States and around the world who have lost their loved ones to this war. And I feel like the way we feel that our success, sacrifices were not honored by how the story of Afghanistan ended the way it did, they feel the same way. And in that sense, I'm with them. And I hope that this is a lesson for all of us that we don't let this happen again. Well, Zubaida, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I just wish you all the, the best in, in your work and your efforts in, in rescuing the lives of, of your friends and family who are stuck. Thank you so much for talking to me. All right. Well, thank you so much to Zubaida Akbar for speaking with me. Uh, I'm going to follow up with, with her in a few weeks and check on the status of, of these Afghan female journalists currently in hiding in Kabul. Everything just seems so uncertain right now and just so awful and, and tragic in so many ways. Anyway, thank you for being a listener to this show. We'll see you later. Bye.